Welcome to My Heart Songs Podcast number 230. It's complicated. The Talmud teaches to say 100 blessings a day, to not just mindlessly traverse another sunrise to sunset without acknowledging all the goodness and many gifts constantly falling upon us. I've been struggling lately to savor those random moments of grace that are all around me because they are so often overwhelmed by all the bad news in the world. In particular, I've been wanting to find my way through the horrific events of the Israel-Gaza war, whose disturbing daily images break my heart over and over. With Hanukkah upon us, I feel compelled to enter into these muddy waters and perhaps stumble upon some useful insights. I am no historian, and yet I am aware that the challenges of the Middle East have been around a long time, simmering tribal conflicts only made worse by the British rule of Palestine, which was among former Ottoman territories placed under United Kingdom administration by the League of Nations in 1922. Given the level of anti-Semitism and oppression of Jews throughout Russia, Eastern and Western Europe, long before the Holocaust, the Zionist movement became an active force with Theodore Herzl in 1897. That is, the belief that the Jewish people should return to the ancestral Holy Land and establish a Judaism-centered state, because otherwise they would not survive. In 1948, after a November 1947 resolution by the United Nations, the State of Israel was established on May 14, 1948, when control by the United Kingdom ceased. The newly formed government stated, quote, the state of Israel will be open to the immigration of Jews from all countries of their dispersion, will promote the development of the country for the benefit of all its inhabitants, will be based on the precepts of liberty, justice, and peace taught by the Hebrew, Hebrew, Hebrew prophets, will uphold the full social and political equality of all its citizens without distinction of race, creed, or sex, will guarantee full freedom of conscience, worship, education, and culture, will safeguard the sanctity and inviolability of the shrines and holy places of all religions. We offer peace and unity to all the neighboring states and their peoples and invite them to cooperate with the independent Jewish nation for the common good of all. Close quote. Many U.S. presidents have attempted to support and operationalize such grand sentiments of peace and find a way to implement a two-state solution for Gaza, the West Bank, and Israel. With the 1993 Oslo Accords, Israel accepted the Palestine Liberation Organization as the representative of the Palestinians, and the PLO renounced terrorism and recognized Israel's right to exist in peace. It was also agreed that a Palestinian authority would be established and assume governing responsibilities in the West Bank and Gaza Strip over a five-year period until borders, refugee, and Jerusalem issues could be resolved. I have nothing to contribute to these ideals in terms of what stopped their implementation or how things broke down. What I want to address, given this brief historical overview, is the notion of hate speech and the kinds of violence now manifesting across America in response to recent events. In common usage, hate speech refers to offensive discourse that targets either a group or an individual based on inherent characteristics such as race, religion, or gender. 
The United Nations Strategy and Plan of Action on Hate Speech defines hate speech as, quote, any kind of communication in speech, writing, or behavior that attacks or uses pejorative or discriminatory language with reference to a person or a group on the basis of who they are. In other words, based on their religion, ethnicity, nationality, race, color, descent, gender, or other identity factor, close quote. There is, however, no universally accepted definition of hate speech in terms of international human rights law. The concept remains a work in progress, especially when differentiating it from freedom of opinion and expression and the attendant realities of non-discrimination and equality. If one says, for example, Israel is a murderous, genocidal settler state, is that anti-Semitic or one person's opinion about the government of Israel's policies? Criticizing a nation's policies and decisions falls within the purview of free speech. To me, that's not anti-Semitic. Similarly, if one said Hamas is a murderous terrorist organization intent on wiping out Israel, such words express an opinion about a governing body that is not anti-Arabic or anti-Palestinian. If instead one says all Jews are murderous and intent on genocide, that's clearly hate speech and would not, in my book, be honored as an expression of free speech. Similarly, saying all Palestinians are terrorist animals fits in the same category and is a form of hate that must not be condoned or considered acceptable. Incidents of badgering and bullying Jewish students on campus are unacceptable hate-motivated actions, as is some idiot shooting American-Palestinian students. The whole discussion gets even trickier when humor is involved. I grew up in an Italian-Jewish neighborhood where her common joke, acknowledging the many similarities between two cultures, was, an Italian is just a dumb Jew, and a Jew is just an ugly Italian. Despite laughter from friends on both sides, out of context, that might be considered racist, full of stereotypes and prejudice. I don't tend to find jokes that even hint at racism or sexism funny, and have stated so to the person telling them. As society struggles with the free speech but not hate speech dilemma, there remains a double standard because we're not clear on the rules and definitions. To me, that is the important starting point for true dialogue. I'm reminded of the Buddhist notion of right speech. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Words to build connection rather than alienation, yet grounded in my truth. Principles worth abiding. Thanks as always for listening, and remember friends and family can easily sign up at myheartsongs.org.